Well, good morning. You're here. You know, that's the first step in recovery, right? That's the best step in recovery. You just get up the next day and you keep going, right? We got a double whammy, you know, like late night, New Year's celebration. We're all kind of buzzed right now. Um, I might want to rephrase that. <laughs> We're all kind of, you know, lack of sleep. Um, and then a lot of you are, are hung over from um, last night's game. So, hey, you're... <laughs> You're doing the right thing. You got up. You're putting one foot in front of the other. That's the way to recovery. I got to tell you, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked by last night's game. But, you know, I thought about this this morning as kind of a single Sunday. Uh, we're starting the big uh, series next week called Table Talk. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. And uh, I really, uh, really invite, um, invite you to... Uh, bring somebody with you. Uh, it's going to be going to be fun talking about family life, parenting, and and um, and, and marriage. And so it's going to be a blast. But um, you know, I thought about just in the single Sunday, kind of doing maybe one of those raw raw messages, um, talking about you know New Year. Uh, Paul, we always use that verse. As preachers, always use that verse. You know, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing toward the mark, the new kind of a rah rah. It's over 2016. You got a new start, kind of deal. And you know, I found that when I've done that though in past years, that most people really they just kind of stare at me because I, I don't know. People don't really compartmentalize their lives so much based on the calendar. You know, I'm all like, you can do this, you can forget this, you can, and yeah, okay, it's just another day, right? Uh, we just changed the number at the end of our check when we're writing a check. But um, uh, so I thought, no, I don't want to do that. And I couldn't get this thought out of my mind this week. And, uh, you know, I thought even after last night, maybe this is why. I'm just kidding. You'll see why. But um uh, I just have this thought I kind of want to share with you. Uh, on the first Sunday of 2017, I think it's a great truth for us to, to entertain, whether it's in January 1 or July 17th. But just want to just share this with you. They say that a picture is worth a thousand words. And so here, I, I just found this video that I thought, you know what? Here's some pictures that will help their mind start going the direction I want to go this morning. And, um, and you know what? Maybe... Uh, as these pictures tell a story, um, maybe it'll put things in perspective for you guys after last night. Now, I'm pretty sure if the camera was with us all the time, we could probably add a few more to that role, right? You've had those moments. Um, but in all honesty, life is is really, for all of us at different times, full of far greater challenges than just having a bad day. If you have a good insurance uh, guy, you're set for some of those things, right? But really, life, for all of us, we know what it is to have experienced something far greater than just a bad day. You know, I remember in 2013, there were some tornadoes that swept through Oklahoma, uh, in particular the Oklahoma City area. 
and specifically the town of, of Moore. Um, I'm sure you remember images like, like this. You remember that in May 2013? Uh, that's Moore. That's some of the town. Just absolutely F5, 200-something mile an hour tornado swept through Moore. And uh, what was particularly awful about this tornado was it stayed on the ground for 17 miles and 40 minutes. And unfortunately, it hit right during the part of the day, about 2.40, where it hit uh, when school was still in session. And you remember, um, it hit a couple schools and more. One, specifically the, the Plaza Tower School. That's the school building. And um, seven kids died that day. Uh, there's a couple more pictures. Um, you remember that story? Remember watching those images on the news? I mean, it just devastated a whole area. And the Nazarene Church actually uh, just went to an area called El Reno and just set up shop and a whole community that had been wiped out. They just were there day after day after day. And about 12 of us from Mackey went. Um, we just loaded up. I think it was on a, maybe it was on a Sunday. After church, we just drove. And, and for those five days, we just did tornado relief in that little community in El Reno. It was amazing. Um, amazing, especially proud of our church. The Nazarene Church stayed there for months on end. Church after church would send a team. We'd rebuild and... Uh, the, 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 the town basically said, hey, a lot of churches showed up on day one, but they left by day three or four. The Nazarene church stayed for weeks on end and rebuilt that community. And I got to be a part of that, and that was a whole cool scene in and of itself. But I remember one night uh, we decided to drive down into Moore, and... We, we parked kind of in that neighborhood, you could tell. I mean, it was just wiped out. And we walked up to that school. And I remember walking up to this just empty, vacant lot. Well, it really wasn't vacant because there was rubble. But, I mean, it was just empty, odd, in the middle of the city. But the, the tornado had literally flattened that thing, and then they had been removing uh, all the debris and I remember around that, that just empty lot was a fence. They had fenced off the area. And there, the fences were absolutely full of uh, memorial-type stuff. People from everywhere had come, and they had left something, a blanket or a, a stuffed animal or a card. And I just remember walking uh, on that grounds, and, and it was kind of, the sun was going down. It was late evening. It was very quiet, very still. And I remember it was just one of those places, maybe because I knew what had happened, but yet sometimes you go to those places, and there's just a, there's a feel like something big has happened here. It was just that sense, and, and I remember walking around that area and just quiet and, and all those images and thoughts flooding through my mind. And, and in that area, there was a tent where cleanup crews were kind of, they seemed like they would, uh, that was their center. They had people almost around the clock just doing little stuff. And I remember over by that tent, they had the radio playing. 
And I remember they were playing K-Love. And it was, I mean, it was one of those moments I'll never forget in my life. As I'm walking, as I'm kind of in my own world absorbing all this, the radio's playing um, in the background, but it was kind of loud. And I remember this song coming on. Um, I, think, I think maybe Sanctus Real, the Toledo group sings it. Um, Hold on to the promises. You remember that song? Have you heard that song? Hold on to the promises. Jesus is alive, so hold tight. Hold on to the promises. And I remember just having one of those faith moments, crisis moments in my own life. As I sat there and looked around and thought about seven kids dying, about all the, all the injuries that were sustained, and listening to this song playing in the background, hold on to the promises. Jesus is alive, so hold on tight. Hold on to the promises. And I remember going through my own heart and mind, thoughts like, are you kidding me? Or how, how in the world? Or what is this about? You know, you have those moments sometimes. I remember it was just like the, the Lord was there with me and he was allowing me to kind of have those. It, it, was, it, was, it seemed like in my, in my heart he was, he was, uh, it was okay for me just to have those emotions. Just the stark contrast of devastation and death and the promise that Jesus is alive. So hold on tight. Hold on to the promises. You know, it was in that moment that it kind of started a, a little bit of an evolution for me. And kind of stumbled, helped me to stumble on the word that I want to talk to you about today. And that's simply a word that's uh, pronounced hupomone. Hupomone. You want to say that with me? Let's say that. Hupomone. Hupomone. It means, it comes from two words, the hupo, the mone, obviously are two words together. The word uh, hupo is to, or I mean the word uh, mone is the word to be, to remain. And the word hupo is the word under, to remain under, to remain under. Um, it literally is the word used in the New Testament over and over that describes a spirit which remains under the trials, the sufferings of this life in a God-honoring way so as that in those trials and sufferings, we learn lessons that teach us things through those times. And it's a word that is very, it's, it's very intense. It's very specific, very intentional that in the life of a believer, we adopt this word into our life. We adopt the spirit, the essence of this word. We learn to remain under. In fact, it's very intentional that it is a word that tells us that we avoid trying to get out from under the trials and the sufferings. We do not try to be relieved of them. We remain under them. 
In fact, this word goes beyond just, okay, so I'm going to sit here and endure this and I'm just going to get through it. It actually carries with it even a greater connotation where it, it doesn't just sit down and accept things. And, you know, um, I'm just going to hold on till I get through the end here. But it actually learns in the middle of trials and sufferings to be aware of what is happening. It actually takes on a life of its own where this stinks, this is terrible, I am hurting, but yet something is happening in the middle of this to me. And I embrace the trial, or the suffering. I don't simply just turtle. You know what turtling is, right? That's my favorite phrase for I was quarterback this year. He turtles. As soon as somebody gets within three feet of him, he just puts his head down. Throw the ball! You know, turtling. It's not turtling. Like I'm just gonna get under my shell and hope I make it through. It's literally, you know what, this stinks and it hurts, but I'm going to embrace it because I realize in the middle of it that there is something very, very, very valuable that can happen in this. It's hupomone. In fact, there's words to describe hupomone. Steadfastness, constancy, endurance. These are synonym words. Now, if you were to look in the, in the New Testament, there's another word, um, macrothemia, that has to do with enduring trials. The difference is, both words are used to endure a hardship or suffering. The difference is, macrothemia has to do with enduring suffering from somebody, from a person. It's always used when it's talking about things like bitterness and malice and anger or being mistreated. You know, macro theme, endure that. Fight through that. Be strong in the middle. But it's always from a person. Hupomone is always a word used when we're dealing with the setbacks, the difficult situations of our lives. Now, I want you to watch how this word is used, hupomone. Look at these Look at these passages. James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it. Now, this is just crazy language, honestly. This is not normal, <laughs> everyday kind of idea how to approach hardship. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? What's that word? Hupomone. Let hupomone finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sub. This is crazy, right? I mean, who embraces suffering and trial? I know I don't naturally do that. Ask my wife. My pain tolerance isn't that high. You know, but 
yet the scriptures tell us that when we're facing the circumstances of life, that the dynamic, the paradigm can so shift in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit in us that although we don't like what we're going through and although it still hurts just as much as any other thing, we actually begin to see that in the middle of our suffering, there's something greater that can be going on here. And we actually realize that we're going to come out of this, and when we do, we're going to be better off for it. And so we have pure joy. We have glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces, what's that word? Hupomone. And hupomone produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's spirit, love, has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. Look at what Peter is saying. Different writer, same idea. James, Paul, Peter, they all understand this. His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that we may participate in divine nature. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, what? Perseverance. Hupomone. And to hupomone, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. You see, in these passages where the writer is so intent on trying to help us see that God desires to do something with our life, to develop us, to shape us, we see that a key cog in the middle of that is this development, this taking on of this attitude of hoopomone. I don't think it's any coincidence that two of the three that I shared with you finish with the concept of love. Love, it's the big deal, right? God is wanting to create the same attitude, the same disposition as Jesus Christ in our lives. And Jesus is the very epitome of love. He is the essence of love. You can't look at his life and not walk away and say, wow, that is love personified. That's God's plan, right? We all know Romans 8, 28, to conform us to the image of his son. And for that process to happen, to bring us to a point where then we can love, love, which is what everything hangs on, right? Love God, love others. Everything hangs on that. That the way for us to become people that are able to love God all, our, all that we are, love our neighbor as ourself. There's a process, a development of our character and our lives. And a key part of that is this idea of hupomone, of developing, of having endurance. This simply means words like this. If you ever want to see what God wants to do in your life, if you ever want to see it accomplished, You can't quit. You can't escape. You can't run. You can't come back when it's more convenient. And you can't come back when things start falling your way. You can't do it. You cannot quit. 
For God to do what he wants to do in your life, you have got to adopt, have this attitude of a, I am not going to quit. I mean, come on, like athletics, right? Um, they train and they push themselves and they cause pain in their body because they're doing what? They're building up strength through resistance, right? We get this idea in a, in a physical world that, man, you're never going to accomplish what you have, what you want to accomplish, what you need to accomplish if you haven't been tested, if you haven't allowed that testing to develop your character. It, you know, if it, you've seen these people, right, that when it gets a little bit tough, they just quit. They just run, right? The job gets a little bit difficult, I don't know if I can handle this. I'm just done. I'm quitting. And so they never can reach their, in this life, they never can reach potential because they just quit when they face some resistance. And that is exactly what he is trying to reveal to us in a spiritual sense. That one of the attitudes, the mindsets that he wants to develop in us is this never quit, enduring kind of spirit, kind of attitude. I, I was thinking about this when I was writing, me in the weight room, right? <laughs> you say, what weight room? <laughs> I did, I, I did. I haven't for a while, but I enjoyed. Uh, a few years ago, I, gym membership, lifting weights. And there were some things I really enjoyed doing, right? The bench press. Because it seemed like you could see more results and you felt better about yourself when you saw all those weights going up, right? Some of you are like, what all those weights? <laughs> I'm telling you, I should have took a video. Right? And those days were good. I enjoyed that. There wasn't a lot of resistance because, well, maybe I wasn't pushing myself enough. But, you know, but I hated those certain leg days. I hated the way that I, it, it, it was tough. And so you know what was easy to do? It was either easy to skip it or to go half-hearted through it. And you know what I never developed? I didn't develop those muscles like I needed to or like was intended because I just, I didn't hoopomone it. I, I checked out. I jumped out on it. God's plan, part of the way he, he does this is he allows testing, trials, suffering for a number of reasons, but one of those reasons is to bring us to a point where we develop a I'm not quitting attitude, an endurance that pays off and it develops our character, it strengthens us as people, and then it allows him to be able to uh, use us in ways that continue to develop us, develop us in Christ-likeness. I mean, James chapter 1, as he said those words, he finishes kind of that thought in verse 12 when he says this. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who, hupomones, under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 
You know, it's an interesting, there's a, it, there's a story in the Old Testament that kind of gives us a really interesting peek into, the, into God's view, into God's kind of uh, mindset about this. In Jeremiah 48, there's a judgment that is spoken against Moab, um, which was, of course, that, that country that was south and east of Jerusalem. It was a neighboring pagan nation. You, you can't read the Old Testament and not stumble across Moab. In fact, God had cursed the Moabites, and there was actually not to be allowed a Moabite in the house of Israel. Uh, that's kind of what the whole cool thing about Ruth is, the wonderful exception of Ruth being in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She was a Moabite. But in Jeremiah 48, verse 11, here's what he says. Moab has been at ease from its youth. You know what Moab's problem is? Is Moab is ungodly. Moab is unregenerate. Moab is dissipated. But you know why? Because Moab has never had any problems in his life. He's been at ease from youth. And that has created this kind of, this, this is God's view of this. Watch. It says that he has, he has been at ease from his youth. He has settled on his lees. Now, you, I mean, what? You know, what is he talking about? Well, he is using this, this um, idea of wine, the idea, the process of making wine. Lees, lees are the sediment that, that, that goes, settles in the bottom of the, of the bottle of the wineskin in the process of making wine. He said he settled on its lees and it has not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Neither has he gone into captivity. Therefore, his taste remained in him and his smell hasn't changed. What he is trying to say is he's using this imagery of winemaking. What would happen is they would take a wineskin. They would pour the juice in. They would allow it to wait. And as they waited, the settlement would would. would uh, dissipate to the bottom. They would take that. They would pour the juice into another wineskin. More sediment would go to the settlement. I said settlement, I'm sorry. Sediment would go to the bottom. They would do that again until there came a point that they would take a wineskin and they would pour it into another, that last jar, and there would be no sediment. It was this process of refining. He says they've never went from vessel to vessel. They've never been tried. They've never been tested. They've been at ease since their youth. They've never, he says they've never been in captivity. They don't know what it is to have trial and suffering. And that, in that, what that does is it, 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 it refines us. And just as that sediment falls out, as we go through trial and testing, if we allow it, it so often, it breaks the sediment out of our, into the bottom, and we are refined through the process. It's kind of God's imagery of what it is someone who hasn't been tested. Obviously, in the New Testament, we see over and over that God allows trials allows testing because he's got a bigger purpose in view. It's about building character. And for character to happen, we must learn to hoopo 
Monet. Look at Romans 15, verse 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the hupomone taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they might provide, we might have hope. Isn't there nothing like having been tested and having passed? Right? It is, it is one of the greatest feelings. I can do this. I can make it through. And when you're tested and you pass, you think, you know what? I can handle this. I can do this. There's confidence. There's hope that arises out of that. And God wants to bring us through that state so that we're full of hope and our character is being developed. It's like Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 with the same theme. Verse 35. So don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to hupomone so that you may, when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And I guess that's just kind of the thought I want to share with you this morning. Don't quit. Don't quit. Allow God to continue to develop in your spirit, in your soul, this attitude, this mindset, this, this quality of, you know what? It stinks. It hurts. It's not what I thought. My expectations are dashed, but I am not quitting on God. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to continue to trust and believe and know that he will, through this trial, develop me. He's got a plan, and I'm not going anywhere. For those who endure or hupomone, there is the promise of so much from God. And so I simply would leave you with this little line in 2017, with all, that it, with all that it will bring, may our lives possess hupo monet. You know, when I left to go to college, um, my mom gave me a plaque that she had had framed. And one of the last things she told me, obviously when I went to college, we've talked a lot since then, but you know, it wasn't like the last words, deathbed type thing, but I don't want to over, I don't want to overstate that. But she shared that. She gave that to me, and it was her way of saying, listen, I've had you for 18 years. I've poured my life into you. I've done my best. She did a good job. But here's something I want to stay with you. If there's anything I want you to kind of take with you, it's this. And it was that old poem. We can't figure out who wrote it. Some say Edgar Guest wrote it. Some, I didn't put an author. I'm just going to say it's sources unknown. But this is a plaque that she had framed for me. The language is obviously archaic, okay? You're going to see that. But listen to the, the words of this poem. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low, the debts are high, and you want to smile, but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learn. And many a fellow turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow.
Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night came down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tent in the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It might be near when it seems afar. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things, it's when things seem worse that you must not quit. Don't quit. Hoop-o-mone. Endure. Father, we thank you for your grace and your love and the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, you've stacked the odds in our favor so much. You've given us new life. You empower us through your Spirit. Father, you just call for us, even sometimes maybe on our knees, where we're not even hardly walking. We are on our knees and we feel like we're falling down and we just can't get back up. You just call for us to not quit. Sometimes that might even mean you picking us up, carrying us. We can't quit. We can't quit on you. For those who endure, there's the promise of so much. And so, Father, help this year with all its twists and turns and we don't know what's ahead, even the blessings of life. Scriptures tell us so often it's when we're exceedingly blessed that we forget God and walk away, we quit on God. Lord, just help us to possess this quality of endurance, of hupomone. We're not ever going to quit on you. Lord, I truly believe, I know, not based on any kind of wisdom that I have, but on the authority of your word, that those who endure, the promise is great. Give us this quality in this season, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great New Year's Day. Have fun celebrating with family. Don't forget to root for the Hawkeyes tomorrow at 1 o'clock.